When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This show is brought to you in association with Labbooks. Just click the link on the description to the show, sign up and get a free bet up to £50 when you enter the promo code LAD50. Go on, do it. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. I'm delighted to say we've got four Mancunians all around the table in the studio. Uh, I sadly was born, we've worked out 5.4 miles away from Main Road. My three guests were all born within a mile of the magnificent Main Road. Introduce yourselves. Guest number one, please, born a mile from Main Road is a view from a blue. Stephen Allwise. Born a mile from Main Road is... Lee Warner. And born a mile from Main Road is... Paul Denby. Gentlemen, good to have you here. Four Mancunians all together to celebrate a 4-1 defeat to the hands of Liverpool. Lee, it's all gone wrong. Uh, well, it wasn't great, was it? I mean, uh, yeah, a bit of a depressing start to the podcast. That you can't really get around it. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I don't think we should uh, dwell too much on... The poor defeat. I don't know what Stephen thinks, but see your face there. <laughs> you passed that over very quickly to me. If only our midfield had done the same. Um, I I think you can actually focus on the game because I think there are lessons to be learned from it. Um, and unfortunately, I think we've we've said it before on the podcast that they are the same lessons in defeat that we don't seem to learn from um, too often. That we're very open and sort of we fall apart a bit when we concede and we struggle to get back into a game Um, and it's everything that we've said before and Pellegrini at times seems to learn from I thought in the derby his tactics were a bit more pragmatic than we expect and against Seville I thought he got it absolutely spot on but then this was a reversion to being a bit too open and a bit naive and perhaps a bit arrogant and I thought Liverpool I'm sure we're going to discuss City's faults at length but I thought Liverpool were outstanding 
But before we do that, Paul, can, can we start off actually with, with selection? Let, let's just go back to the beginning because there was an awful lot of discussion at the time and since about how Pellegrini set us up. So just start with that for us, will you? Just, just let's start with selection first. Well, the first thing I thought, and I discussed with a couple of mates at the ground, when we, when we saw the team, we thought, no, this isn't right for, against Liverpool. Two wide men, you had Yaya and Fernando there, and you're thinking, no, they're going to run as ragged if they can because they do pass the ball quickly, and they did. Yaya doesn't play in those games in the position he was picked to play in and he was just run all over the place and didn't really get into it at all the two wide men never got a chance to get in there at all and didn't and therefore it's left very open and once he'd done that the centre-backs were horribly exposed and looked like they never spoke to each other for the last six months last year whatever Mangala and Dimitrios as well they just didn't get it and the full-backs as well it was all over the place and I think Liverpool exploited every little part that they could we were bad and they were very very good a combination there of 3-0 I know it's 3-1 at hard time 3-0 wasn't was a fair reflection when it got to 3-0 and I can't complain at the result Lee Otamendi and Magala when you saw that lineup, what were your views I actually wasn't too I except mean, it was Dimitrios sorry yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, thought I, I thought you were talking about the fact that Otamendi wasn't in the team I think the, when I actually first saw it I wasn't particularly um, downhearted like I, I I have quite a lot of confidence in the whole squad. I don't look at any team that we put out usually and, and worry. Um, you know, I would have preferred Otamendi to play, but I can only assume that there were reasons why he didn't. Um, I don't think... Maybe it was resting him for Wednesday, but I think that would have been a bit strange. Um, I think maybe it was just more the fact that he'd been away on international duty. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I just think of the general performance as a whole. I think with teams like Liverpool and Chelsea and Tottenham and Arsenal they will exploit those kind of lazy performances um, and it was a real lazy performance especially from the back four um, you know not being on it with your touch taking too many touches um, not releasing it quickly enough uh, especially with a team like Klopp's the way Klopp sets his teams up to to press high um, and to just hound the back four and they can only they could have only really done it for 50-60 minutes but by that point they were 3-1 up so they'd already done their job Stephen would, would you have picked Otamendi? I would have picked Otamendi because if your best centre-back in company is not playing, call me boring, but I think you play your second best centre-back. I agree. Um, And Pellegrini, I'm sure, well, he didn't talk about it after the match. If he did, I'm sure he'd have said, well, he was in South America, played a couple of games, but I think he's a centre-back. He's not running a huge amount every game. I'm sure he's fit enough to play. I thought leaving out Fernandinho was strange. He played something like 15 minutes in the international break and he's very very fit anyway I think Lee made a good point that it's Klopp's team we should know what to come up against it it shouldn't be a surprise to see Klopp send his players out full of energy and running and and pressing high and very intense I think it's quite scary that we look so unprepared for that we had our two most immobile central midfielders against a team that would just pounce on anything Especially when you looked at the lineup that Liverpool put out, the fact that they didn't really play with a recognised striker, they didn't, they didn't, their game plan wasn't to get it into Benteke's feet and hold up the play. It was we're going to put a pace up front and we're going to just hound you down. And, and the the energy in their team from the team sheet itself, you could see that was what they were going to do. Um, and we just didn't seem to be able to counter it at all or prepare for it. 
Paul, I, we can talk about selection all night. You know, we're not the manager. You know, he's paid to do that job, and there have been games, as we said, where he's done a fantastic job and surprised us, and it's worked. It clearly didn't this game. For me, it wasn't about the selection necessarily, although although I was surprised. It was more the nature of the defeat, and there are a number of people who just didn't turn up. I mean, anybody stand out for you that disappointed you particularly? Well, shall we start right at the very back and go through the whole team? Because the only can I do it the other way around? The only players that I thought gave a reasonable performance was Delph in the second half I thought was very very good and De Bruyne on and off during the match and Aguero give him his due because he was first game back and scored a cracking goal other than that I'd say the rest were really really poor even Hart made three fantastic saves but his distribution was poor led to at least one of the goals and he he looked a little bit jittery I'm not sure what it was with him but he didn't quite look his normal confident self I thought the centre-backs looked all over the place um Mangala, we've discussed before and I've said it before on this podcast that I don't think he's a footballer. I think he's an athlete, but he's not a footballer. He does not understand how to read the game. He doesn't understand where he should be positionally. Um, And Demichelis, who for the past 18 months has turned his City career around, he looked all over the place as well. He looked like someone who was only playing his second league game of the season. So... And then in front of them, they had Yaya and Fernando, who barely got a kick because Liverpool swamped all over us. So the spine of the team, which is usually our strength, there was no Silva to just put a foot on the ball and calm everyone down. There was no Fernandinho to win the tackles, no company to give you that leadership and bite. We just looked very easy to play against. Other than that, it was fine then. Was yeah, it? great. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Can, I, can I pick up on Yaya? Can I, can I just ask you, Lee, particularly, to just to... To, to, to focus on him because in those sort of games you know he can just drift away and be completely invisible which he was he was awful it's unsurprising I mean we've seen him do it a number of times um, he was pulling out 50-50 challenges um, he just didn't look like his head was in it and I think it's very easy in the, those sorts of games where you've actually got very clear defensive errors you know Sanya losing out to Coutinho San, um, Mangala not being in position and then scoring an own goal from it it's very easy to just say these were defensive errors, but you can look at players like Yaya and Sterling and I think De Bruyne um, and you can point the finger as well because none of them turned up and it's disappointing to see. I mean, if you compare it to, say, other Liverpool defeats over the past few seasons, for example, the the year we won the league where we lost 3-2 and we came back at Anfield, um, you know, you had players like Silva who were kind of paving over the defensive errors of, of company and, and whoever. But we didn't have those players in the game who could get Mangala, Sanya out of jail because they just weren't in it at all. They, their heads weren't in it just as much as the defenders. And it's just more obvious when it's a defensive error. But, you know, those players need to be held accountable as well. But an interesting point on Yaya that Pellegrini took him off at halftime, which mm. isn't something we've seen no. before. I don't know whether that means that of everyone who was poor in the first half, Pellegrini highlighted Yaya as one of the chief suspects or whether he just wanted to bring more energy to the midfield. But we haven't seen him replaced at half-time before. I think it was the latter. I think he realised or has not admitted it that it was a mistake in the formation and therefore putting Delph in there, taking Yaya off and the other substitutions were the right thing to do and he possibly thought, hmm, mistake. I thought he would have probably pushed Yaya forward in the second half. I obviously expected the changes to come. 
but I didn't think he'd actually take Yaya off and fair play to him because he's you know he deserves to be taken off in those games there's been so many times in the last week he hasn't been taken off so can I just talk also about the fact that this is our second 4-1 defeat in a matter of weeks here is this something that, that we should be concerned about are we still going to we're still favourites to win the league is it big question marks now are we gone heads gone no I think we're probably still favourites for the league it's it's quite open no one's claiming it for themselves everyone seems to be having these weeks where they do struggle I think the the fact that we've lost by three goals twice in the season um, and it's something I've written about before and I, I genuinely believe in that we when we don't play well we never just don't play well we're never just off the pace a little bit we're awful um, and we capitulate and when we go a goal behind we find it really difficult to get back and win a game and whether that's to do with the leadership or the mentality it just seems for a squad that is so talented the amount of times we crumble and fall apart and lose our discipline and ship so many goals it's worrying I, I find it very strange because the seasons that we've won the league in 12 and 14 we never saw defeats like this at all we lost I think all the games that we did lose in those two seasons we lost by one goal one nils and two ones and that sort of scoreline I've not seen us ship four goals in games with as we have twice this season it concerns me I know that Pellegrini likes his attacking football and we all love it but if we're starting to lose games and we start and lose any more, that sort of scoreline, 3 0, 4 1, whatever comes up, you've got to ask more questions than that because we can't afford. We've already lost three games this season. A traditional title winner will only lose maybe five ish games in a season, give or take. So we've not got many more to lose. And there's teams like Tottenham who, and I don't think they're league winners, but they've only lost one game all season. And that was the opening game of the season when they lost to Scum 1 0 with that own goal. They've gone on a fantastic run and they're right there with us now just a couple of points behind I can't see Leicester surviving but that's my view at the moment but you mentioned United in not so favourable terms I think that is how we should approach a game if we're not playing well we just dug in we didn't really have too many chances but we were quite solid at the back they barely did anything going forward and we made ourselves hard to beat and it wasn't exciting and Pellegrini it wasn't his attacking principles but we ground out a point can I try and turn, turn it around to something positive? Uh, Aguero was back. Good to see him back. Obviously didn't play the full 90 minutes, which I guess was predicted. Um, any signs there for uh, anything positive? Obviously he took his goal really well. Uh, anything else positive to say? I, I, you've mentioned Delph as well, I suppose, Paul, as well. Any, any, any other positives, Lee? I mean, yeah, it's nice to see him back on the pitch and he was the bright spark if there was ever going to be one. Um, yeah, it's, it's not surprising to see him buzzing about. He's usually the one to be that. It doesn't matter whether he's just come back from injury or lacking a bit of match fitness. You always know you're going to get something out of him. And we did, but it wasn't enough to spark the rest of the team into uh, life so it didn't really matter in the end but a goal shows that you know hopefully he's kind of I mean I'm, I'm, whenever I watch him I'm always just worried he's going to get injured again that's just like any City fan will tell you that it's it's actually unnerving to watch him at times it's, it's, it's uncomfortable because we know how good he can be and it's just a shame that he's not had that one season really where he's had a full run at it but. Yeah, there was a point I think in the first half where he did get a knock and he went down and stayed down for about only two or three seconds and the whole crowd sort of took an intake of breath waiting for him to get up and just move again which he did obviously but it's, it's his worrying I think whenever you see Aguero it's great to see him on the pitch but back of your mind is please don't get injured and, and just going back to Delft Paul because you, you raised, raised the issue um, your thoughts on him? Oh, I thought when he came on, he, he added a little bit to the team, which was shit in the first half, let's be honest about it. But it, he, he really 
did come through. I thought he had a few good touches. He tried to control the ball a little bit, and it just looked positive. Um, so I, I was pleased to see him back. I think he's a, he's a good squad player. He won't play every game, but I think he's a good man to have on the bench and bring on from time to time and play the odd games as well from the start. And he doesn't trust Kelechi, does he? I, I think with just reason, because we can get carried away that he scored against Crystal Palace and he, he's looked okay. He's probably played less than 90 minutes of Premier League football. He's, he's a kid. Talented, yeah. But is he ready to, to really come on and change the game against Liverpool? I'm not so sure. Um, but he would have come on for Aguero. I'm sure that was always the plan. And he was unfortunate in the sense that the game had just died down a little bit. We probably had a 15-20 minute spell at the start of the second half where if we'd have got the goal while Aguero was still on the pitch, they might have become a bit more nervous. But I think the tempo had died down when he came on. Lee, can we just do a minute on Liverpool as well? Because obviously Klopp's changed them and that, I was impressed with a new guy. Um, Samino. No, um, Milner. That's it, James Milner. He looked quite useful. Yeah, he looked decent, didn't he? Uh, sort of showed us what we were missing. Um, I was always his biggest fan, and never really wanted to see him go. Um, but I had no, and I had, had nothing against him for leaving. Uh, if I was him, I would have done the same because he wasn't getting regular football now. He is, and he's, you know, vice captain, currently captain because their captain's injured. So, yeah, he was he was fantastic. The team as a whole, as as I said before, they worked very hard. Um, Firmino, I've seen bits of him when he was playing in Germany, and he's just he's just a tireless worker, but he's got skill and trickery as well, which is very dangerous. Um, I, yeah, I, I thought they 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 were flawless in the first half. They they played to their strengths. They knew what their game plan was. They were quite difficult to break down. I think they had overall um, like twelve to fifteen shots, something like that, more than us away from home. And it was it was a real barrage. There were there were points where you know they just scored and they were on the attack again. And it it was a feeling of this could really be a route. And the th- thankfully we did get that goal to kind of peg them back a little bit but then they kept coming at us and and the reception Milner got at the Etihad it was reasonable it was okay no, nobody booed him of course would he have celebrated if he scored no don't yeah. but let's not get into that he joined again. the celebrations when Liverpool did score so um, I four, think he t- should, four I think times he would have, and I think he should like, yeah. I don't see why any player shouldn't let, you know, unless he's going to too far the other way and, and sort of taunting City fans that he plays for a team he scores for a team let him celebrate I agree you disagree, don't you? No, I, I was just thinking one of the few players who probably wouldn't and shouldn't celebrate would be Lampard, for example, scoring against Chelsea because he's got such a strong connection. I don't think Milner would have celebrated, actually. I think he's probably a very genuine, down-to-earth guy who would know that he's got friends on the pitch playing for City and the fans love him, so I, I think he wouldn't have celebrated. Well, we've signed up with Ladbrooks to bring you some exclusive betting odds and offers that uh, we've all wrangled out of them for you. Follow the links on the show's description of our Facebook page and Twitter feed and on Minipod at the end of the week with some tips and exclusive odds for you. For starters, there's a free bet uh, of up to £50 for, for when you click on the link and add the code LAD50. That's LAD50. And our brand new iPhone app has been updated as well and is absolutely free at the iTunes store. It's a thing of beauty with all your shows there, videos, news, and download it and leave us a nice review, please. And all the links to our Facebook page, Twitter, and details of our fantastic phone app are all at citypodcast.net. Thank you, Paul. Paul's tapping me on the shoulder here. It makes it even more difficult. I love reading that out. It's beautifully written. Um, can I talk about Leicester City very, very briefly before we move on? Um, but particularly Jamie Vardy, because I think it needs probably 
you know, non-league football 13 minutes ago and suddenly he scored 10 in 10. Probably even us on the Man City show should mention Jamie Vardy. Yeah. <laughs> we must be struggling for content if we're having to talk about Leicester. No, he's, we're, not, look, we're, talking about, we're talking about someone who's going to break a title a, rival. I, they're top of the league. I think it's a great story that Leicester, and it's not just over five games, it, it's a sustained run, which might fall down over the next six matches. They've got, I think, some very difficult fixtures, but great for the league that they're up there and, and great for Vardy himself, who, who's broken records and looks on fire at the minute. Yeah, he's looking really good. They're looking really good. Um, they're a bit over-reliant on one or two players, I'd say. And they've got a lot of team spirit, I think, is what's kind of carrying them through at the moment. And if you see them on social media and things like that, it's all hashtag this, hashtag that, we're together, get the fans involved. I think the second thing start going... I think basically the first game they play where they don't come back from a losing position will be the end of their season, basically. So, Should we talk about Juventus on Wednesday, then? Why not? So, from Leicester City to Juventus in the Champions League. It's going to be a tough game. Juventus have improved their form since early in the season. I think uh, I think most City supporters will take a draw out there. Uh, we want to be in pole position to get top spot. A draw gives us that opportunity because then we've got Mönchengladbach in the final game uh, and it's in our control. Uh, a win and it's done. That's it. Simple. It will be a tough game. Juve will want that top spot as much as we want it, and they know that to put it back in their control, they've got to go out and win that game. So and uh, they're, they're on a decent run, Lee, and, and we've lost our just lost by three goals. So yeah, and how are we going to bounce back? It's all about how we bounce back, isn't it? Really? Well, yeah, and it's just that feeling of letting our guard down now because we're already through, and I think we've got to guard against that in the same way we've been letting our guard down in other in other games because we think that we're kind of not as you know in the, in the league we haven't got as many title rivals at the moment because Chelsea have fallen away and United and Arsenal are a bit patchy so. We need to be careful. Um, it's not going to be an easy game. Um, I, but having said that, they might play with a sort of renewed freedom, um, the fact that we're through, so hopefully. And we don't have to look too far in the past to actually see how we should best approach the game because I thought we were absolutely spot on against Seville. It was new tactics for us in the Champions League. It was a bit more pragmatic and adaptable um, with a very mobile midfield just sitting in front of the defence and then Navas and Sterling just given the freedom really to counter-attack at pace. If we can repeat that, it's a big if, then I think that should be how we approach Champions League games away from home. Pellegrini could easily go in and, and play 4-2-4 again and we'll get thumped. So what in terms of tactics, we've, we've talked a little bit about selection for the weekend's game. What, what about selection for, for Wednesday night? What does he need to do? Well, you're hoping Otamendi's going to play. I'm not sure whether company's fit. If company's fit, obviously you play him. To me, it's the midfield that's the crucial part. You've got to play Fernando and Fernandinho as the holding midfield players, especially away in Italy. And then it's a matter of who you play as your forward play. I think you play Navas and Sterling to the pace with Aguero. And then it's do you play De Bruyne or Torre um, as your forward player as well and it's, it's a I personally go with, with De Bruyne but um, it's a difficult call that I'm not the manager I'm, I'm not sure if your mates were falling asleep or nodding in agreement there so was that a nod of agreement I, I, I'd keep both of them in and I'd probably take Sterling out but keep Navas in um, and just push Yaya a bit further forward and play De Bruyne a bit wider um, yeah I'd, I'd think give Yaya another go in there and see how he does because he usually steps up in the Champions League 
I, I'd agree with Paul. I think you, you keep the two quick wingers in because that was the key against Seville. Um, I don't agree with Lee that, that Yaya's been great in the Champions League. I, I think he struggles because he gets passed around quite a bit. Um, I'd, I'd go with the same. I mean, there's, look, if you want a combative, energetic midfield, you can play Delph and Fernandinho in front of Fernando. Or you can have the two Brazilians and, and De Bruyne further forward. There are options. Um, I'd, I'd go with what Paul said, I think. With with Zabaleta actually coming into the team, because Sanya has admitted after after the game for obvious reasons that I think he felt exhausted and didn't have the energy and the power that he normally does. So I think Zabaleta comes in. If you put Zabaleta that it gives a great option as well down on the right because he does bomb forward and is the overlap for probably Navas as well. So it re- could really stretch them, but you've got to be very careful because they're going to be looking for that win. Might be a typical Italian game, very close, very tight, they'll play it. But remember what we did in Rome last year? So hopefully the same again. Well, before our next show, we've actually got uh, three games to cover because not only Juventus, we've then got uh, the mighty Southampton. Um, at home on Saturday, three o'clock kickoff. Um, they lost at the weekend uh, at Stoke one nil. Um, so just look forward to that a little bit for us as well. Yeah, they're, they're a good team, Southampton. A bit unpredictable at times, um, but they've caused us problems in the past with the way that they move the ball and, and press quite high and close us down. Um, if you can dominate the midfield and control possession against them, then you know you, you'd have to say at home we're in with a very strong chance, but. I think they, they can be quite unpredictable at times. Mane is a good player. Pele, I think, is a good player as well. We've got to be careful. I think Pele's suspended, I think, because he got his fifth booking, which is good news, because he is dangerous. You like Southampton? Yeah, they're a good team. Um, showed some good promise this season. They were very good last season. Uh, kind of in that sort of, with, with Coman, that second season syndrome, where, where else can he take them almost? You know, he's taking them to the, the brink of like that Europe, those European spots. I think a cup run for them would be a good season. Um, but yeah, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be challenging and they'll be pissed off because they, uh, they you know, lost to Stoke and that's a poor resort at home for them. So yeah, it'll be a challenge. And as we're going to be winning four trophies this year, we should touch on the fact that we're sailing through to the final of the Capital One Cup uh, and we play Hull City at the Etihad, uh, I think, uh, Monday night, week on, yeah, week Tuesday. tonight. Tuesday. Tuesday, is it? What day is it? Doesn't matter. This is a podcast. You could be listening to it any day you like. So <laughs> next week, we're going to be playing Hull City. Mm-hmm. I think the Capital One Cup is strangely having been derided for so many seasons and teams put out a second string. It's actually because I think of its position in the calendar it can be an important trophy it's over by February you know if what City have had a very easy draw so far if you beat Hull at home which you should do you're suddenly in the semi-final without actually having too much work to get there the FA Cup comes a bit later in the season a bit more congested the fixture list I think the Capital One Cup's a great chance for silverware you yeah. got you got to fancy our chances, Paul. You've got you've got to. I mean, effectively, we should beat Hull at home, no doubt about it. And then over two legs, you would expect us to be able to beat any team, really, because you can have one bad performance. All right, if it's if you'd lose four one like we did at the weekend, yeah, it's over. But traditionally, over a two legged match with City, you would expect them to be able to beat most teams. So it's a good opportunity, and I, and I think it's a trophy we should go for, no doubt about it. Yeah, very little to add to that. It is a trophy we should go for. It's an easy tie against Hull. Um, I can't really add much more to that, Nigel. We'll go, and, we'll go and lose now. 
Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll come back and talk about that uh, next time we're on. Uh, final point from me, we're, we're sort of the January transfer window is, is fast approaching. And I just wanted to sort of touch on that finally before we sign off. And uh, any targets particularly for, for us? A, a striker maybe you've got your eye on? I think we need some form of striker, yes. Uh, um, I, I don't really know why he left us in a position with just having three for the season because he's obviously for, foreseen that, getting rid of Dzeko on loan. Um, I don't know who's going to be around on the free. It'll be a free transfer alone, you know, kind of uh, emergency loan, really, because we we look weak without Bonnie there um, on the bench because he doesn't seem to, as we were speaking about before, he didn't seem to fancy playing Kalechi from the start. Um, although he's he's probably not ready to, to be playing regular football at the moment. Um, so yeah, we need we need some form of striker. I mean, Adebayor maybe uh, could be an interesting one. A bit of a nostalgic <laughs> heart back to those days of uh, Sean Wright, Phillips and Co. Uh, Bring him back for the Arsenal game, you reckon? Yeah, it'd be good if he scored and repeated his celebration again. I'm not sure they take it so well. Pellegrini, I'm sure, would argue that Sterling can play up there, but I don't think finishing is his strong point. Aguero will always miss chunks of the season. Kelechi is very, very raw at the moment. We, I think we have been left short up front. I think the reason left us short, perhaps, is he was focusing this year on playing 4-5-1 and not 4-4-2, which was his tradition. 4-4-2, you'd need four strikers. 4-5-1, you've got one in three as opposed to two in four. So I think that's, that might have been his thinking. Not saying it's right. We, I think we do need another striker because I don't quite think Kelechi is there. Bonnie is still yes and no. I'm not 100% certain yet. And surely uh, knowing Aguero's injury worries, you know, we haven't got three fit strikers. We've got, well, I mean, even Bonnie's had his injury concerns. So that, that's, the, that's why it was a bit strange. But um, yeah, it'd be nice to just bolster that part of the, uh, the team a bit. But besides that, um, I don't think you can just keep on replenishing every time you get the opportunity. Um, you know, he's invested in Otamendi. Um, he obviously invested in Mangala seasons ago you, you can't just keep on every time you get the chance to buy a new player spend 30 million more so it's it's only a case of plugging uh, to kind of strengthen the squad as a whole rather than bringing in ready-made first team players in January well we'll have to wait and see as we will with our three games that are coming up before our next podcast which are Juventus on Wednesday Southampton on Saturday and Hull on Tuesday uh, can I say thank you very much for my three Mancunian guests joining us in the studio this is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon This is a playback media production served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.